Are you looking to self-improve and never stop learning? You need to actually have fucked up experiences in order to learn. You're in the right place. Escape the matrix. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You take the red pill, stay in Wonderland. Welcome to Notes from the Underground. You can view it as this fun thing that kind of brings the joy of life. A Kaizen journey with your host, JMC Jr. All right, welcome to the Notes from the Underground podcast. Today we are raised with the presence of Coach Christian. Coach Christian was, you know, has hoop in his blood, started hooping at a young age in L.A., was a high performer, uh, ended up going to play at Cal State Maritime, played well enough to play professionally in the Philippines for five seasons. You know, Coach Christian then went on to give back to the hoop community, founded Edge Basketball in 2005, and has helped teach and mold the hoopers of today and tomorrow. And Coach recently had a player become a lottery pick in this year's draft, which is pretty exciting, I'm sure. Uh, Coach recently also launched Philiam Select Nation in the US and Canada, using this platform He's help, using his platform, he's helping to gain exposure for Filipino foreigners who are aspiring to play in pro, uh, playing pro in college in the Philippines. So coach, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Definitely always uh, appreciate our, our conversation and uh, finally getting the time to actually uh, come together on that on that podcast that you've always mentioned. <laughs> so I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having uh, me. Are there any things you want to, any blanks you want to fill in on that background from that intro? You know what? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I think the biggest uh, part is just, uh, you know, just here to continue to spread awareness for Filipino athletes, not just in basketball, but in other sports, because I feel like, you know, someone needs to advocate for these athletes uh, on the mainstream of uh, sports around the world. And uh, so if we can see more athletes uh, of Filipino descent, uh, playing in uh, the the U.S. and Europe and Asia and other parts of the world, uh, I, I felt like I've done my job. So definitely uh, something that we want to create is awareness. Awesome. So, Coach, you've been around the game for a long time. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I was part of IBA uh, for a long time, and you're one of the mentors that we had early on. Um, so tell us, like, you know, for me, I could tell you the game has changed immensely since – I started to now, but what have you seen that has been changed? Coaches look at the game, uh, especially at the youth development stage. I think there's always that presence where people always want to have an advantage of how they could actually be given more opportunities. And I think uh, with the development now these days, things has changed and how people look at, you know, just everything, even from social media. You know, so there's so many different aspects of the game that has changed, uh, not only on the internal aspect, but also on the external aspect of the game. Well, I'm going I'm to share something with you, Coach, because I'm not sure you remember. But when I started coaching, I had a, a 9U team. And, uh, and I want to say that you just started an 8U slash 9U team around that time. Before that, you didn't really coach that young. Uh, and I remember, I remember seeing you play at Northview High School. Actually, might have been the very one of the very first couple of tournaments you had with the such a young squad. But I would tell you that um, one of the referees he said, "Oh man, Coach Christian's gonna have those boys knowing, knowing the fundamentals if you watch his teams." So, just from the 
what you said about youth. I mean, youth has exploded, right? I mean, you have like, when I started, honestly, I couldn't find eight youth teams to play against or play for, by the way. Right. Uh, last year, there was like three division deep for you, which was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So how, how do you see those kind of changes? Because that, you know, social media has impacted, I'll, I'll be honest with you, social media has impacted what parents and players expect out of their hoop journey. No, I, I, I agree. I think it all has to start with who's actually directing the organization. And obviously, if they have a good background and a good understanding of what it means to get to that next level, whether it be high school or college, I think, you know, you have parents that could definitely take that knowledge from you as a, as a mentor, as a head coach, or as a director, and take it for what it is and make sure that, you know, their child is being guided in that right direction. Now, if you don't have, if you don't have that whole thought process as a director of an organization of what it means to get to that next level, then yeah, you know, parents are going to expect, you know, the social media to play a part, you know, in their whole entire exposure and whatnot. Uh, but if you have an understanding of both ends, that can definitely be at a high advantage because if you have a coach that can help direct you and then also at the same time, you know, uh, be able to provide uh, a platform where you can showcase yourself in a positive way because of your development, uh, just like Onyeka. The kid Onyeka, he obviously came from an environment where he was directed by great mentors, but also the platform he utilized with Compton Magic basically boost up his stocks so that people can actually know who he really is and how he plays and, and whatnot. So it could definitely be a, a good thing for a lot of athletes, but it could also be a bad thing for a lot of athletes because with the social media, obviously you can edit it, right? You could, you can make it seem like you are a good player. When that time comes, when that tryout comes or the evaluation period comes, from a college, uh, college coach standpoint, then you could be doomed. You know, you could be in that hot seat wondering like, man, why is this coach not picking me? Because you're not really guided in the direction that you should be guided when it comes to development, you know? So yeah, I, the social media could be a positive thing, but it could also be a negative thing. I think um, I have a big problem with social media only because you live in an era where a coach slash parent can literally pick who their kid plays against. I could be right. a gold player and say, I'm going to play bronze this weekend and look like a superstar. But yeah, you sure. you know, below your level. Now you have a mixtape, but it, you know, not against good competition. And like you said, you go play against good competition and all of a sudden, you know, you look completely different. Big O, um, what I admire about him is that he didn't fall for that whole big baller, you know, hoopla, even though he was a right. big part of that in Chino Hills, he he, did, he didn't play for them. He went to play for Compton Magic, you know, was a little bit more mature, kind of avoided that whole thing, which is, uh, I think, commendable on his part. Absolutely. Um, but what do you tell a 10-year-old parent? I, I think the most important part about telling a parent is, is following the blueprint. Uh, for example, you know, because I've already experienced the whole level of 
helping a child or helping an athlete get to that level, they, they, they just got to put that trust in the, uh, the coach um, and showing that, hey, you know what, you can help them, guide them, take them and take them to the next level. You know, because the ultimate goal after youth obviously is high school, right? That's the number one goal is to, to get them ready fundamentally and prepare them for high school basketball because obviously you only have four years. Now, anything after high school is icing on the cake. And I think that's the biggest reality and the information that every coach should express, you know, when it comes to development. Because in all reality, I mean, there's a higher chance for you to make, you know, your the freshman team, the JV team, and the varsity level team when it comes to high school. But when it comes to college, obviously it's, it's a lot harder because you don't have those levels at the collegiate level. Now, if they make the freshman level, hey, that's a big, number one, that's a big accomplishment. But if you even make varsity at the freshman level, that's even a bigger accomplishment. But we all got to be optimistic, you know, when it comes to player development, because like all, we all know that in any given time, if a kid puts in the work, whether it be their eighth grade year or even their ninth grade year, anything is possible where they could actually move on to the varsity level. And if you also help gain their confidence, man, that, that's even a big game changer. You know, as you know, in anything, whether it be sports or anything related to striving for a goal, if you have the confidence within yourself, it could definitely take you far, far level in life, man. I mean, not just not just sports, but anything that you want to accomplish in life, you know, uh, confidence to me is, is a huge factor in, in any development, you know. So, yeah, speaking of uh, just the perfect guidance, the perfect mentorship, I think that's the number one thing that uh, a lot of parents need to do their homework on, making sure that they have the right coach that has that, that resource and that credentials behind them. You know, I would call it validation, I guess, just to validate their, their, all the work they've done in their career. Yeah, I think parents don't sometimes forget that you need your kid to be the best at 17, not at eight, right? Because 17 right. college looks. And you really need, and people, I tell my sons all the time that you're an unfinished product and the coach, any coach that gets you thinks you can get better if you have a good foundation and are coachable. They never think, oh, that guy's a finished product. I don't have to do anything. In the contrary. Right. They say like I agree. Yeah, this guy better. Um, one thing I wanted to maybe touch base with you also is we recently had conversations regarding um, a child's path, um, and right now there are so many options. I mean, even in high school, right? I can like transfer from one high school to another without any penalties. I can change clubs without any. I can. Ha I, I know kids that play on five different clubs. You know, right now. Um, which is tough to get a consistency, tough to really like know how to play the game if you have, you know, so many variations on how you're playing. But um, there is a there is a quote I shared with you, which is um, the goal is to prepare the path. The goal is to prepare the child for the path, not the path for the child. But you get so many parents that are literally trying to like manicure that path for that kid, right? Hold right. hold backs, right? Perfect high school situation, perfect club situation. And, and kids forget how to fight through adversity, how to forget how to like really earn their key, right? Because their parents are so quick to move them. What are your thoughts on just that whole environment of parents really trying to 
uh, manicure that pass for them? First of all, I, I never agree when a player has to move or play for like so many teams, you know, four or five teams for um, jump and jump, you know, move from trainer to trainer. I think number one, again, coach to do their homework, uh, a recommendation from other parents that had a good experience with that organization. Um, and once you do, once you establish a priority program and a coach, uh, there's nothing wrong with trying to get the extra trainer just for learning from different coaches, of course. But again, it, it goes back to the development of where your child is at. Now, if your child is still learning and still not mature enough to understand what they're dealing with, it makes it hard because that maturity can turn into confusion for the child. It can actually turn into confusion in the sense of, you know, there's not really that, that solid foundation for that athlete because, you know, like what's going to end up happening is that when you're going and jumping from different players, I mean, from different programs, it creates this mindset that, you know, oh, it's just you. It's all about you. It's all about you versus other others and your teammates, you know? And I, I think that's where a player kind of tends to lose their value uh, when it comes to learning and how to play with a team. Um, sometimes, you know, if you're sometimes the best player on the team, it can create that, uh, that game situation where you're being doubled or triple team. And now you don't know even how to pass the ball because you don't know what it means to trust somebody, you know, on your team. So, it could definitely be, again, a, a negative thing, especially at a younger age. But I know watching uh, a lot of older kids, at the, especially with uh, a, a shoe company-sponsored program, I know players tend to kind of jump. That could be a little more different than a kid that, that's just your mediocre, trying to be that type of role player on the team. And, again, there's two types of players that I see. You have your super – elite gifted athlete that God has already chosen to make it to the NBA, you know, with, with just easy process, but then you have a majority of players that actually have to put in the work. And as you and I both know, what we've seen over the course of the years in this whole basketball lifestyle, um, there's a lot more players that need to learn how to find themselves as an athlete and he's to learn how to build a foundation in their game and also be able to just trust somebody, trust a coach, trust a trainer. It doesn't have to be t 10 coaches or 10 trainers. It could just be one. Um, and once you do develop that foundation, then you can start, you know, kind of going out there and, and, and seeing what's really out there to, to hype, to make your game a little more uh, better, I, I would say. Because, for example, I'm, I'm going to use always Onyeka because Onyeka is a great prime example. Like, as a kid, his, his mom could have just said, you know what, I'm going to put you on this team, I'm going to put you on this team, I'm going to put you on this team. And because you're, you're tall enough, people are going to take you. But what she did is that she entrusted, you know, the program that he was in. He, he entrusted in the surroundings that his son was part of, you know? And so with that, 
it created a, an environment for Onyeka where he learned how to trust teammates. He learned how to count on other teammates when he was being pressured. He also learned how to be a team player. Because like you said earlier, you know, even with the ball boys, you know, the ball family, he could have easily went to that group. But he didn't because he knew that all he needed to do was trust in himself based on the development of the people that was in a circle. And that's exactly what he did. By the time he got to count the magic, because he was already fully developed, you know, it got to that point where he trusted in game. His trust, he entrusted in his game. And more importantly, he entrusted in Coach Ito to really help him, you know, get that exposure, showcase his game. And that's all, that's all was, that was all needed. That was, the, that was the only thing he needed was that exposure. But when you look back of all the jumping of jumping of different players, you hear them being such great players at the high school level. And then all of a sudden, by the time they get to college, you don't even hear them. You don't hear about them anymore because, you know, mentally, it's almost kind of like they're at a loss. They don't really have an identity. And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to really getting yourself to that pro level is creating an identity for yourself, not for others, but for yourself so that you could actually understand how, how to value yourself on any team that you, be, you become part of, especially with, oh, you know, he now knows, you know, how to value himself at the pro level, you know, uh, because he created an identity, not only in the travel ball circuit, but also at USC. So, so with that, it, it really helped him out, you know, building that foundation, you know. Absolutely. I actually think uh, there's a difference between a trainer and a workout. You know, I can take my boys to different workouts with different trainers, but a trainer that knows him, that knows what he needs to work on, I mean, you can't do that brand new every time. You have to have a trainer that knows me and what we need to work on. And I tell trainers all the time, like, listen, you don't have to impress me with all the drills you know. If you want to work on um, pull-ups all day, I'm good with that. Two drill pull-ups, I'm okay. Don't come at me with five different, ten different drills. No. It could be boring. I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, so I agree, with, I agree with you 100%. And, of course, before Philly Am Nation, you had Edge that, that, you know, obviously has a ton of players that have gone through. You've gotten players at the next level with through Edge. You know, how were, how were you able to keep such a loyal player and family base for so many years? You know what? I, I think the most important aspect is, is letting parents do know that, you know, you're not just a coach to their child. You're just not a mentor to their child, but you're also a human being that, that wants to go above and beyond. The above and beyond aspect of it is, is showing that, hey, you know what? If you get invited to a birthday party, you're going to show up. If you get invited to a graduation party, you're going to show up. You know, uh, in the 16 years that I've been doing this now, I probably went to about nine weddings already. You know, and that's quite a lot, man. I mean, like that just tells me how old how, how old I'm getting. You know, I'm not I'm not getting any younger, but I think the the most important part is just building that that, and it it, it doesn't come easy either. I mean, I'll tell you this for now. Like, it's easy for me to say, yeah, build a relationship, you know, with your players and your parents, but it it takes time because, like that quote, right? Action speaks louder than words. Your action speaks louder when you're actually doing it for these athletes and when they see that um 
they definitely have high respect, you know, and especially when you get to that moment where you're helping their child reach their dream aside from going, you know, from just developing their, their game at the middle school and high school level. Um, obviously, if you show interest that you're going to their high school games um, and you're involved with their recruiting, that right there speaks volume. And when you do that, obviously the, those parents will extend their, their, uh, their recommendation to other parents and they'll talk about it. And one thing that I do in my program, when we, ha when we start our, our, our season, we have an orientation. And within that orientation, I actually invite between three to five parents that has had a good experience. And I allow them to share a brief moment of what they experienced of being part of Edge. And that's the biggest selling point in my organization to make sure that they have an understanding of the longevity of what it means to be part of our program. Uh, another thing that we do that we go above and beyond is our banquets, you know, recognizing their, their, you know, their full year of commitment to the organization. Um, some take it very like seriously and say, Hey man, I'm, I'm super happy that we are having this banquet. But then there's a few that, you know, they say, ah, man, this doesn't mean anything. But in reality, it does. Because like in any, any, any program, you want to be able to celebrate all the hard work you put in for that year. And people don't understand how to celebrate that. They think, oh, it's just, why do you need to celebrate? Because you know what? It's not easy, you know, picking up your shoe and saying, you know what? I'm ready to go to practice. Or picking up your, your, your bags, ready to go for a tournament at an 8 o'clock game, you know. And that includes not only the players, but also the parent. So when you put all this information together during your orientation and you celebrate it at the end of the year, and when parents see that you did it together, to me, that, that, that's, what, that's what keeps the loyalty because they know that, you know, as you share the information about what it means of running a club, they can see that I'm not driving, you know, a Mercedes Benz or, you know, living lavishly. Like I'm just simple, you know, I'm, I'm driving a, a 2000, <laughs> a 2001 Toyota Camry right now. And you know what? It, it's just, honestly, it's just learning how to be humble and having the humility of showing that you actually truly care about your athletes, you know? And also just the experience I've had over the course of the years, coaching at a high school level at Price High School and, and seeing the commitment that I have with kids on the educational standpoint. So when they see some, somebody that, you know, has that desire and that, that, that love for, for athletes and, and kids, I think it's, it's so easy to win a parent's heart and support when you're doing it all for the kids. And people, people will recognize that, you know. Yeah, I tell people all the time that people don't understand that a coach will stay up through sleepless nights on for other people's kids. Yes. <laughs> that included me. Like, you know, I didn't really worry about my kids, but I would stay up late. You know, I had a lot of late conversations with Quincy about other people's kids. Like, how can we get them more opportunities? How can we really push them? What do we need to do? Like, it's nuts. I don't think people understand that. And, you know, obviously it's been different, but sometimes when I look back, I, I really... I really don't know how we did it. You know, how we had practice three or four times a week, tournaments for like eight in the morning to five o'clock PM. 
uh, Saturday and Sunday, back Monday, right back to it. People don't understand the mental and physical toll that takes. It does. It does. And that's why now, the, the, the older I get, I say, you know what? I really got to value my energy and my time because if I ever get sick or if, if something happens to me, that's when it, that's when everything kind of just is going to go down the drain, you know? Yeah. And so now because of the value I've created within myself, uh, and just like other great coaches like Coach K and you look at great coaches like Roy Williams and Phil Jackson and, and um, you know, just all the top coaches that you hear from the high school and collegiate and the pro level. Hey, you know what? It's hard to get to them, you know, because oh, yeah. you gotta protect a your big part of it time. is their experience. Absolutely. Protection of energy and time is critical in, in all phases, by the way, not just coaches, just in general, protecting that time and protecting your time and your energy for sure. Yep. So, Coach, uh, Philly Am Nation, I know we talked about it prior to the start of the podcast, but, you know, tell us more about it. You know what? This whole idea of Philly Am Nation came, came together in 2019. It came actually uh, when I went back to the Philippines to actually uh, watch my cousin play in the Philippines for his championship series. And, you know, we, we just had some, you know, downtime moment. And, you know, we were just discussing about, you know, what solution to have for athletes that want to go to the Philippines and play collegiately and professionally. And obviously the, the whole solution behind that was, and also uh, dual citizenship, because a lot of people don't realize that you go to another country, you got to have the paperwork. It's like coming to America. You know, you just can't be a Chinese citizen and just start working here in America or a German citizen and start working here in, you know, in the U.S. You got to have paperwork. You got to have documentation, you know, you know, a work visa or a, a, just a, a visa itself, you know, if you want to just live here and see what life is like in the U.S. And so with that process, we came up with the idea of, you know, what can we do to expose these athletes? And obviously, we, we never reinvented the wheel. I mean, the, the, the wheel has been invented already by the U.S. market and other markets around the, around the world uh, of, of showcasing talent at an event that you create to, uh, to show and see, you know, who are the up-and-coming Filipinos. And that's what we did. You know, obviously, in, in the U.S. grassroots, there are thousands of, you know, grassroots camps that exposes American athletes and ranking them by top 25, top 50, top 100. And that's exactly what we're just doing, you know. But on the flip side to that is the educating the parents about the dual citizenship, the importance of making sure that do I, do I qualify? Do I qualify to play? Does my child qualify to play in the Philippines? Because Sometimes you could be a good player, but, you know, even being Filipino, you may not even qualify. So with those problems, we created a solution. And now we work with the Philippine consulate around the U.S. as well as around the world. And um, we built a network towards, um, you know, the, the Philippine Sports Commission, 
the Philippines Olympic Committee, and also the national teams uh, for every sport, along with the college coaches. So there's so many supporters now on what we're doing to build the bridge, number one, but also help better uh, improve the level of competition in the Philippines. But the, the, the true end goal is not just the Philippines. The true end goal is to see more Filipinos uh, at the collegiate level and also at the professional level, whether it be in the Philippines or here. It can be in the U.S., it can be in Europe, it can be in Canada, it can be in, uh, in Asia. So if I could see, as a founder of this organization, if I could see a lot more Filipino athletes you know, competing at a high level professionally in different parts of the world, you know what? I think I've done my job, you know, because right now, as you notice, you know, especially here in the U.S. and the NBA, you know, they've gone global. But I don't think we we haven't had a full representation of a Filipino descent athlete from the Philippines. So if we can even see that, man, I will be super excited and super happy to see that because I know we got one right now that's up and coming, Kai, Kai Soto. He's playing with the G League team, Ignite, along with Jalen Green, who's half black, half Filipino. So to have a full-breaded and a half half-breaded, that right there is, is 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 a great just example of what the possibilities are, you know. And so with Philam Nation, um, we're utilizing basketball to drive the organization, just because basketball is truly loved in the Philippines. However, this platform is just not for basketball. It's for every sport. So at the moment, we're, we're uh, creating more events and creating more opportunities during this pandemic. And so I know our next event will be volleyball uh, in April, a volleyball showcase both for both men's and women's. So it's, it's definitely a, a platform where, you know, people always had this idea. I was, I've always been told this, you know, hey, man, you know what? This is dope. I had this idea a long time ago, and I'm just happy that someone executed it. But that goes back to running edge basketball, you know, having the experience, having the knowledge of what it means to run an organization, and also having the foundation of what it means to have the necessary tools to be able to run another organization. Because this thing here could be global. I mean, Filipinos are everywhere. So that, that in a nutshell, that's pretty much what Philan Nation is all about. Um, obviously, there's a lot more uh, more uh, uh, ideas and, and, and projects that we're actually creating. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just excited, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what this whole organization has to offer for me and all the other communities, uh, Filipino communities around the world. Awesome. Well, you know, obviously with you at the at the head of that organization, I'm sure we can all expect big things. Yeah. So that's awesome. So what, what are some of the biggest lessons from your hoop journey as a coach, organizer, or player? You know what? Um, I, I want to say the, the, the biggest lesson that I've learned this whole process is just being grateful. I, I think uh, we tend to forget how to be grateful about things. I, I always look back at 
the experience I've had growing up as a child, you know, obviously, you know, when you come from a low income family growing up, you kind of tend to have more spark in your, your, uh, you know, your, uh, your whole upbringing and, and, and just a spark of, you know, what your goals are and hopefully it pushes you. But the, the gratefulness, I guess, has to come from when I was born. I mean, I was born in the Philippines. Uh, I always, I always think to myself, like, if I never came here to the U.S., I probably would never have this type of opportunity. I mean, I could have been living in the slums, which we call the squatters. You know, squatters are, you know, not even cardboard boxes, man. They're like tinfoiled uh, aluminums. You know, you put that together, create a house. That's pretty much your shack, you know. Um, and I could have been in those type of environment if it wasn't for the sacrifice of my grandmother bringing my my family, my uh, my mom and my aunts and uncles here to the U.S. But because my grandmother did all that, because she was able to provide for her kids and you know how help bring us as 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 grandkids, um, that created a, a mindset for me of how grateful I am for everything. And, you know, we're all humans. I know, you know, living here in America, um, you know, it's, it's super, uh, it's super challenging for a lot of kids because, you know, parents tend to, you know, uh, give them everything, give them the world. Right. And as parents, you know, it's not, it's not nobody's fault because I'm pretty sure they experienced it as a child for themselves that they weren't given everything. So in their mind, they think it's okay to say, you know what? I got to give everything for my kid. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but I also believe there has to be a balance of also letting them know that you can't just hand them everything. You know, you, you got to make them understand what it means to work for it. Just like your quote that you shared to me, and that that quote you shared to me, Coach, is going to go a long way. I think I'm going to share that too in every orientation. Um, every conversation I have with athletes and parents, because for me, to me, that quote means you, you, you just can't hand a silver platter to your child. You got to make them earn it. You got to make them feel like, hey, there's a way of creating that environment for themselves on how to really actually get to that path. You know, so uh, gratefulness is, is, a, is a key piece in my life. And lastly, um, just being thankful you know we all we're always thankful during christmas we're always thankful for during thanksgiving we're always thankful during our birthdays but i think we just got to be thankful every day I, I think we tend to kind of forget that you know just being thankful overall man because every day is is, is uh, another day that we can live our lives right we can enjoy good company we can enjoy good conversations but i think that's one of the things that a lot of people tend to forget as being thankful and um yeah I, I think when you're grateful you kind of tend to see life differently and you know you tend to see it more in a way where you know you just you, you, you have a different approach i would say in life you know, for me it has it's being grateful and being thankful for everything i've had um and you know it's to me i, I guess those are two similarity words i, I would say gratefulness and, and thankfulness right i mean that's an awesome thing i actually after this podcast i'm going to invite you to my uh i call it my kaizen journey 
Well, you know, it's funny because I recently um, had an episode on the podcast talking about what you just talked about. The fact that our ancestors have made all these sacrifices for us to have better opportunities. And so I tell my kids like, bro, you, you've never had it worse than your grandparents had it. Like you can't complain about, even me, you never had it worse than what I had to go through. Right. We're here. So that greatness and that, uh, that discipline, it, it flows in your blood. So you have no excuse when times get hard because that's in your blood. Number one. Number two, you owe it to your ancestors to take advantage of the opportunities. It doesn't mean you have to be successful at them, but you cannot sit here and not take, try to take advantage of them. And obviously, you know, you coach, obviously you're a testament to that, right? You've tried to maximize your opportunities here, recognizing that my grandma made a huge risk. To, like, you know, people don't understand, like she was in the other country and she said, I'm going to go to this other country where I don't know anybody. I don't know the language. I'm not, and I'm going to try to make it because I want better opportunities. And she made it happen. So at the very least, we owe it to them to like, I'm gonna try to maximize this opportunity that you sacrificed so much for. So I love that. I love you mentioning that. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that, that's really, that's, that's awesome. And then, you know, to, to talk about the quote, I tell my wife right now, I said, our job is to prepare our kids so they don't need us. Yes, <laughs> you know yes. I mean? So if you go on to the world and you don't have to come back to me, we did our job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? There's a lot of kids right now that are staying home and don't have a clue of what it means to, you know, just be independent, right? And for me, like, if if your if your kids are staying at home all the time, then I feel like as a parent, you still haven't done your job, you know. Absolutely. And I, I think. You know, and, and I think a lot of parents need to kind of look at themselves and, and not in a bad way. I would say in a way where they got to hold themselves accountable, you know, uh, because because what happens if, you, if you're if you gone today? What are your kids going to do? Depend on your uh, depend on your insurance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, million millions. <laughs> not only that, man, like, how do you look for an apartment? Like, how do you pay? Yeah. How do you manage your bills? Like basic things like that, that they don't know how to do, right? Yep. So, and I, I, I totally 1,000% agree. Um, yep. That's awesome. So as we come to the conclusion, Coach, three pieces of advice for our listeners. It could be for players. It could be for parents. It could be for club organizers. What are three pieces of advice you have for them? I think the number one advice I would definitely like to share to everybody listening including kids, uh, parents, anybody, uh, is creating a circle of people within your circle that you trust. Not just one, not just two, uh, at least a minimum of 10. A minimum of 10. And, 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 and making sure, the second advice is following up uh, on a week, whether it be a weekly basis or a monthly basis, because sometimes we, we tend to forget to check in. And a lot of that relationship comes in within checking in, because when you check in, I think to me, in my opinion, you're, 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 you're taking that time to really check in to see how your friend is doing or how your loved one is doing. So number one, again, let, let's go back to number one is, is, 
creating a circle of people that you can trust. Number two is being able to create that relationship so that that relationship is strong by checking in because you may not see each other all the time, but a simple check-in can turn into a, into a simple conversation for whether it be two minutes or 10 minutes or even an, even an hour, right? But that right there will take you a long way in life because when you, when you know you have good people around you that support you, it makes it much easier to, again, make sure that whenever you're down or need some advice again or just a friendly reminder, you have those people that always believe in you, you know? Um, and then the third advice really is, uh, is trusting God, man. Have a relationship with God. You know, I know there's not a whole lot of believers out there. And if you are a believer, much power to you. I think, you know, when you put God first and you have that relationship and everybody always thinks that you have to go to church to, uh, to have a relationship with God. You don't. You know, you can you can you can have it in your side your car. You can have it inside your bedroom. Uh, you can pray even when you're showering for a moment. You know, um, but when God knows that you're doing it for Him, you know, uh, He's gonna be there when you need Him. And that's number that's one person that you want to be able. And it goes back to your circle of, of, of trust. Who is gonna be in your circle? And if if you have God with you, man, it has no problem. And then even when you communicate, even if it's a 30-second prayer or even if it's a 15-second prayer or even an hour of prayer, just meditating or whatever it is, and you include God with you, you know what? The rest is history, man. He's going to give you everything you want because he knows that, you know, you entrusted in him and even for people that may not even know what their purpose is, he's going to help you find that purpose. And he helped me with it. You know, I know going back when, um, when, when this whole Philan nation started, it was only two years ago when I got really closer to God because of my cousin, Alex, you know, and with that, I asked for guidance and, and, and clarification of my whole well-being as a human of what my purpose really was and sure enough it was the purpose was to provide you know for a community for for kids that needs guidance so here i am today doing that and i'm happy to be part of my community my culture my my people around around me every day to, to be able to provide and help them in any way i can so yeah so those are my three advice your circle of trust communication, making sure you check in and putting God, because when you put God, all the, the first two uh, advice will all come together, you know? So. Well, that's awesome, coach. You know, I tell people all the time that um, God, God seeks us all the time. We're just too busy sometimes to pay attention. And when we yeah. pray, we speak to God, but when we meditate, we listen. So uh, love that advice. I think that's critical. Um, and just, you know, I think people use mistake religion with spirituality. They're not, they're not the same thing, but, um, man, I, I'll tell you one thing. I, I know God puts the right people in my life and, uh, he put coach Christian, man. We just had this relationship, you know, and yeah. kept on talking all that stuff. We, we talk the same language in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, God, God surrounds you with those that, you know, he knows that you're going to die with. So 
I appreciate our relationship, hands down. I think you do an awesome job. I think that you're an awesome mentor. I think you have your your heart is in the right place. And a game that I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. That the youth game right now is or was super dirty. Like it was dirty. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there were some good guys. I mean, you were one of those good guys that were part of that. So no, but, and I appreciate that. I really do. I, I think uh, Coach Chavez, you've done also a great job running your program. Um, you know, sometimes you know in life, you know, you tend to co come across people that things they know more than you. But for you and others, there's a lot. There's a lot out there like La Honda and Steve Williams and so forth that that has been part of my circle. And you know, believe it or not, you are part of my circle when it comes to you know checking in and and seeking for advice. And uh, you know, even I mean, it goes both ways. And knowing that you know. You entrusted the God to to put the right people in your circle. So, with all that, to me, it, it means a lot to me knowing that we do have this relationship. Absolutely, man. And we're just getting started, so I know some. Yeah, good, we are. I, I know some good app developers that can help you with that Philly animation. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> hey, and I'm excited to do it because uh, I'm counting that on that person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Well, we're gonna we thank you so much for being on the podcast. We're gonna sign off until next time, and I'm sure we'll do it. We'll do it again. Once Philly, thanks for having me. Blown up, you know, worldwide. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Notes from the Underground, a Kaizen Journey with JMC Junior. Keep on the road to self improvement, and we'll catch you on the next episode.